Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest John, I want to tell you a story of the Old Testament. I don't know about you, but I love the Old Testament. We're going through the overview of the Old Testament um, on our Thursday night. We're just doing a course on that. We're offering it to our community because I just believe it's so imperative that we know the stories and the power and the wonder of who God is, not only in the New Testament with Jesus, but in the Old but there's a man named Elijah, and I've told you about Elijah before. He is a man that has, uh, he's sort of like these superpowers. And God in the Old Testament, would he would put his spirit on particular people, on prophets, on kings. And he had his spirit that rested upon Elijah. And Elijah in 2 Kings, in particular in chapter 6, there's this confrontation that's taking place because you see Elijah was a spokesperson. He was an ambassador on behalf of God for the king of Israel. We have to remember when we're thinking about battles, when we sing songs like God fight my battles, yes that's accurate but biblically we have to remember that God's battle might not be your battle. And so when we look at the battles of what God is doing, he is fighting on behalf of his people Israel. Of, of a particular location in the Old Testament. And so Elijah, the spokesperson, the ambassador of God, he's catching wind in the spirit. He's hearing this, this king locally around the nations that wants to come and to destroy Israel. And so he goes and he tells the king, he says, hey, uh, the king of Aram, he's going to come and, and he has a plan and he's going to be in this place at this time. So take heed, king. So the king listens to Elijah because, remember, he, he hears from God. He's, a, he's the ambassador of God. And so this happens multiple times. And finally, the king of Aram, he, he gets really upset because he looks at his army and he says, somebody is a spy here in the camp. Who is going to the king of Israel and speaking what I speak and, and telling them this is going to take place? Because every single time they know our every move. And one of the, the, the servants of the king of Aram says, we have no idea, but we know of a man named Elijah. And this man, he's like, he's, he's supernatural, and he calls fire down from heaven, and he's, he's pretty interesting. He's, they call him the, the ambassador, the prophet of Israel. And it could be, king of Aram, that this man, Elijah, is hearing what you're saying in your bedroom. I don't know how. I don't know how he's doing that, but he is. He knows our every move. And so he says, fine, let's go find Elijah and let's go let him know who we are. And so he takes chariots and horses and a full army around where Elijah is at with his servant. And the servant takes heed of it. They hear the horses, they hear the chariots, they hear the noises, they hear the clinging of the, the, the swords and the shields and they say, and the servant looks to Elijah and he says, wake up Elijah, the, the army of Aram is here. The king is here. What are we going to do? Look at all of their horses and chariots. And Elijah, with his custom, he gets up and he goes, ah, oh, it's going to be all right. We have an army with us as well. And so the servant's like, either he's just like, go and see now, because he's, maybe he's a little bit older. Maybe he's just like too over-spiritual. But he says, God, would you show my servant who you are and that you're with us? 
And it says this in verse 15. I'm going to read there, and we're going to get to 17 and 18. It says in verse 15, When the servant of the man of God, which was Elijah, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. And Elijah prayed, open, he prayed, he prayed this. He put this before God. He said, God, would you open up the eyes that he may see? Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills of horses, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Sorry, I was saying Elijah. This is Elisha. Okay, I'm just, it's Elisha. <laughs> As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. The, un- the enemy is starting to come towards him and the servant. It's just them two. And so he prays to the Lord and he says, strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. I, d- I don't know about you, but when I think of the passages of Scripture and when I look at the Word of God, and when I, when I study it, when I learn it and I hear these stories, There is something significant about the stories of old, about the Old Testament, about men like Elijah and Elisha, when God did something powerful. And I don't know about you, but it's like like that heroic language, like something comes out and it's like, man, I love that. That is amazing. That God fights battles. That God brings supernatural movement in armies, in chariots, in fire for what he wants to accomplish. So if I wanted to have a title today, it would be Know Your Enemy, and then I don't think it's on there, but if I had a subtitle, it would be The Seen and the Unseen. Because you see, I believe that many times, and I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture today, there are many times throughout the Scriptures, something is happening in the supernatural, in the spiritual world. Something is happening when we cannot see it. Something is taking place. And what happens is, eventually, it becomes physical. Whatever was spiritual becomes physical. And if we're not careful, we would negate the physical and not realize, as we're focused on the physical of whatever's taking place, we would think, oh, man, this is just so bad, and this is so hard, and look at what's happening to the family, and look at where our, the health is going, and look at what the news that we got, and we, we seem to be, even as children of God, remember, because we are a depiction of the Old Testament of Israel, we forget over and over and over again that God is with us. And if I consider myself a follower of Jesus, my Bible says in 1 John that I am a child of God. If I am a child of God, as we sang this song, I have a particular authority, not that is mine, but that is his, that he has given to me as a son. So when things are taking place, and notice, I'm gonna go deep on this, you might be like, oh man, it's all spiritual. What's going on? But it might not be all spiritual. I want to make that premise, okay? I want to make that point. I get uncomfortable sometimes because I don't know your story. I don't know where you're at in understanding the scriptures and the context because sometimes we can take an experience and make it doctrine. We can take an experience and make it Bible. And it could just be your experience with God. And so we have to be careful on those things. So what I'm, what I'm not saying is that everything that happens is the devil. Oh, it was the devil. That's not what I'm saying, but what I am saying is that when you partner with the mission of God, 
When you see yourself as a minister of the gospel, which by the way, every person that has claimed Christ's likeness, you are now with what the scripture says, you are a minister. So where does that look like? What is the, what is the influence that you've brought into society, into your workplace, into your family members? What type of transformation has taken place in you so that you can bear witness to the kingdom of heaven? And I would argue when those things begin to happen, you now, sorry to say, but it's an encouragement, you could have a target on your back. Elijah did. I'm sorry, Elisha and Elijah. Elisha had a target on his back from the king. And he realized really quickly, yes, this is a physical battle, but we must fight it in the spiritual. We must see what's going on. And he said, God, would you show, would you show my servant who you are? Because he might not be able to see it. You might not be able to see it. I might not be able to see it. But God is always up to something for his children. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And so wherever you're at this morning, I don't know who I'm preaching to. Because I got to give warning, this might not be the teaching message. I have to preach this morning. I have a, a word within my bones, stuff that's been going on in my family. Thoughts that have been coming to my mind. And we need to stand firm in who he says we are. And you need to stand firm in who he says you are. And he says from the Bible of 1 John that you are a child of God. So there's implications to that. See, you, you see, what we see and what we don't see is very crucial. My question to you is, what are you seeing? What are you looking at? Are you looking at the physical battle? Are you looking at the issues? Are you looking at the doctor's note? Are you looking at what they said about you or what they said about your God, notice, I want to prove something to you. We always do sermons, and I might have done that, so I, I publicly apologize. We might do sermons on David and Goliath. Hey, God's here to fight our battles. No, that's not what is happening there. God is fighting his battle through David, and David knows it very well. That is why he says, wait, 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 this this, 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 this man, Goliath, is saying that about my God? He doesn't know who my God is. So that's, hey, Saul, I don't need your armor. This is not your battle. This isn't even my battle. This is God's battle, and I'm going to stand as a witness to who he is. And so we have to be really careful in, in the understanding of the spiritual and, and the physical that God is up to something, but we must know who and what his enemy is. Right? We gotta, we gotta be aware of that at least on like the elementary understanding of the scriptures. So what are you seeing? That's my question to you this morning. What is taking place in your life, in your family? And maybe everything is going really good. And I pray that for you. But there are times where things get difficult and things get hard. And the moment that you step into the kingdom of heaven and you go on mission into your workplace and you don't tell someone like, I know Brandon can't even do this. It's not like he sits with a student, hey, I need you to know who Jesus Christ is, your Lord and Savior, and I want you to pray this prayer to me while he's in class in a public school. You don't do that. There's wisdom. But he can share that story with who he is. There's a difference. It's, it's personal evangelism. It's showing the kingdom of heaven with your word, not just your word, but with your deed with who you say you are. So if you consider yourself a child of God, then we ought to operate in that realm or understanding. And I would argue when we begin to do those things, take heed. Like Elisha, there's a target on your back. 
And so you must know your enemy then. So if we open up the book of 1 John, this is where I'm getting all of this. I want to just read this to you as we go on. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, it says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. By the way, spirit is translated energy. Do not believe every energy. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God, not the spirit of the world, not the spirit of the Antichrist, not the spirit of of deception or wickedness or evil, the spirit of God. This is how you can recognize. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, complete contrary to God, antithesis, anti-God. And we must be aware, we must take heed, we must take caution, we must be asking God to give us wisdom and revelation as we participate in the world that we're in, in the Babylon that we're in. He says, you have heard what is coming even now And it's already in the world. And then here's my main point, verse four. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Can can we just read that for just a quick second one more time because you cannot miss this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater. He doesn't say, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because you got a lot of might, because you got a lot of power, because you got a lot of wisdom, because you've read a lot of books, because, dare I say, you have theology degrees, right? But what he does say is because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So there is a shift that must take place that we must know, I bear the image of God. I bear the kingdom. I represent him on mission, for mission, for the world. And we ought to take notice of that. And when those things begin to come into alignment, I would argue we have to be really aware of who our enemy is then. So the physical, we believe this, this is, this is obvious, is far more real to us than the spiritual, isn't it? Like, of course, That's why it's hard for me sometimes to not always see things as spiritual. When I was younger, my mom, like, always made things spiritual, and half the time she was right. You know? I'm like, wow, mom, it's not always spiritual. And yet the devil, as he probably told Jesus, is trying to sift me because of the call that I have on my life. Or what about the call that you might have on your life? Or what about the decisions that you have in your mind and the things that you're saying and the people that you are introducing yourself with, showing the kingdom of heaven, very specific when we participate and show on mission the kingdom of heaven. I I warn you with love as your pastor, there is, as Elisha had, a target on his back. But, as John says, but he who has in you has overcome them because he is greater than anything in the world. So let's talk about the unseen. There's the physical and then there's the unseen. We live in a very supernaturally created world. I would argue that where we're going in society and world and culture, many are actually open to the supernatural. 
Many are open to the spiritual. Many are, are really uh, like, that's interesting. I want to know about that. But what, what we do if we're not careful is we can take that excitement into the wrong direction, biblically. And we can participate not with the kingdom of heaven, but with the kingdom of this earth. So we have to be really careful. But I wonder, honestly, I had someone tell me, you don't know what you're praying. Yeah, I don't. But I honestly wonder sometimes if you were to pray this prayer in church or in your community or at your office or in your workplace or in the classroom when you go into your school as a teacher, I wonder if you were to say, hey, Jesus, could you show me the unseen world? I just want to see it real briefly. I think we would be terrified, by the way. <laughs> I think we would. I mean, if you don't think you were terrified, like Joseph was terrified, and it was like a good angel. Many people were terrified, and they were good angels. They were beings from God, and they were terrified. And so I don't, I don't, I don't provoke you to just like, hey, always ask God, what's in the unseen, what's in the unseen? We don't, we don't want to get overwhelmed by that, but we have to at least be aware of what is taking place in the unseen because it's very much real. So we live in the natural and we live in the spiritual. Genesis three, I'll prove it to you. The spiritual temptation led to physical, spiritual temptation first to Adam and Eve, led to physically eating the fruit. First it was spiritual, then it became physical. The beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's led by the Holy Spirit. He's baptized, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Spirit of God came and rested on him and he was sent into the wilderness. It was very spiritual and then it became physical as he fasted and did not eat. The book of Revelation, John gives a very clear spiritual picture of a physical reality. So if you don't believe in a spiritual world, I would argue you are rejecting the scriptures because it's very real. So I want to read you this passage of scripture, okay? You guys good? Okay, it says this in Job. I was talking to Claudio. If you don't know Claudio, you really need to meet him. You need to talk to him. You need to hear him in Marcella's story. I was talking to him, and as I've been talking, we've been talking like every week, and I'm just like being filled and filled. And he said something that I said about my message a couple weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it and thinking about it. And I knew it was God because there was something that happened to Kelly and I and our family personal, and it, and it struck me, and my mind immediately went to this passage. So let me read this to you. It's Job and God is having a conversation or an interaction with Satan. And it says this, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to pre present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered, The Lord and said, From going to and fro from the earth, and from walking up and down on it. So just briefly right there, that is what the enemy does. He goes to and fro the entire world. And the scripture also says in Revelation, he walks around like a prowling, roaring lion, waiting, anticipating to devour you. Have you ever seen like those lions? I love lions. We named Lenya Lion, basically. <laughs> Have you seen those lions? Like when they're walking on national, right? And they're like, just like ready, man. Like, especially the females, the big old manes, and they're just like looking. I'm sorry, the males. They're looking and they're excited. <laughs> I wanted it to sound good because I have a daughter. I've named her Lenya. But yeah, the, the, the women or the, the female lions, yeah, they're a little bit more. But they're powerful. They're strong. Nevertheless, you see them. My mom, she, she, she gave me um, in the office 
My, I love lions because it depicts the lion of the tribe of Judah. That we serve not only a lamb, but we serve a lion. And for the men in the house, sometimes it could become so feminine. I, I get that. We serve a, lion, a lamb and we have to love the lamb. And sometimes it feels all lovey-dovey. But you need to know for the men in the house that you serve a king. And he is a champion. And he calls you to bravery and to strength and to go on an adventure. That is the God you serve. And so he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. However, there's, this, there's another depiction of a lion of Satan himself going around prowling, looking to devour you and I. Waiting, it says, at the birth canal, scripture says. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty descriptive language. So he's going to and fro. We have to be careful as we go to and fro as we're encountered in the spiritual and the, and the physical. And it says this in verse eight, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. And my point on that is imagine that you were the type of person that God would say that about. I, believe, I, I say that, from, I'm like, man, God, how do, I, how, do I, how do I be represented like that? What do I have to do in my life, in my character, in my attitude, the way I treat other people, in my posture towards you, in obedience? Because Job was a man of faith and obedience. Then it says, Satan answered the Lord and says, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him, a hedge of protection around him and his house and all that he has on every side? And you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But God, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. There is way too much stuff to digest here, but let me just give you a couple of main points for our topic of conversation. Satan is trying to tell God, in a clever manner, by the way, that Job's godliness is artificial. That's what Satan is trying to tell God about Job. He's artificial, God. Are you serious? You've given him everything. He's got riches. Look at all his horses and his cattle. Look at his land that he owns. Look at all the children he has. Look at his wife. Look at his house. He has everything. Why would Job complain? Why would Job be worried about, he doesn't really need you, God. His godliness has never been proved by faith. It needs to be refined by faith. And my question is, have, have you ever experienced this before? Have, has your faith ever been tested? Has it ever gotten really difficult in your life? And what happened was your faith was tested and it was becoming refined. And either you came out one end or you came out the other. And it was like, man, this is fire, and this is difficult, and this is hard, and this is frustrating, and it's not making sense. And God, I don't hear you. And then you might have friends like Job that say, well, you're sinning. I don't know, something's wrong with you, man. Like, good luck with that. <laughs> but no, Job, he, he's persisting. He's persisting, but his faith is being tested. And my question to you this morning is, has your faith ever been tested? Has it? Have you gone through some difficult things? Has it gotten really hard at times where your faith was tested? And I love that he says there's a hedge of protection around Job. And this is just a quick side note. I know this passage of scripture really well, and I pray this over my family all the time. Honestly. 
So we can argue theologically what this means. All I, all I know is that Satan couldn't get close to Job because he had a hedge of protection. So you better believe when we found out Zoe was coming to this earth and she was developing in Kelly's womb, I would pray, God, I pray a hedge of protection over that baby. Whenever I leave Lenya and she's sleeping on her mattress on the floor and she's excited about her new bed and she's worried and she comes to our bed in the middle of the night, I'm praying constantly. I pray a hedge of protection over this little girl. I pray that over my wife. I pray that over my family. I pray that over you, that God would place a hedge of protection over your family. But that does not mean you will not be tested. That does not mean it will not get difficult. That does not mean what you can't see in the unseen, you can't see. So faith must arise, right? I don't know if you knew this. I was talking about this on Thursday. From the time Abraham was told, you're going to be a father of many nations, you're going to have a son, to the time that he had Isaac, it was 25 years. That's a lot of testing of someone's faith, right? And, and I talked about how there's a difference between living faith. You might have living faith here this morning. I pray you do. I pray you have faith to believe that God is good. I pray you have faith to believe that if you were to die today, you would be in eternity with God. I pray that on a practical level that you would put God first in every aspect of your life. But when you get tested, where does your faith go? And so we discovered that it becomes persisting faith. The way I see it is I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not falling back, but I'm going to fall forward. And, and, and when it gets difficult and when it gets hard, I'm going to persist in my faith. I'm going to believe the word of God that was over my life, that was over this church's life. I'm going to believe the word of God that is biblical and true of what God says and who he says that I am. I will stand on that firm against the schemes of the devil. Because I don't know about you. If you've known me for any amount of time, and I, I know a good amount of you for any amount of time, we, we have been gone, been put through the fire a couple times, haven't we? I know your stories. I sit with you. I pray for you. I hear you. We all have stories. We have been put through the fire. And it gets really, really difficult. And sometimes the fire might be success, by the way. I, I don't know if you heard me on that one. Sometimes when you're at the mountaintop, you are being tested even more because you might be thinking like the devil accused Job, he doesn't need you. Does that, does that, does that not what Jesus said about the man, the rich young ruler? He said, man, it's, it's <laughs> good luck with your riches because you might think you have it all put together. And so there is a refinement that must take place in you as well. So there's a difference between God's battles and our battles. We talked about that, right? You guys doing good? There's a big difference. Yet when we take on the sonship of God, when we become a part of his army, we soon realize our greatest call is to be a people on mission. So a people that seek first his kingdom. And my question to you and even to myself is, do you put his kingdom first? Are you allowing him to have rightful ownership of your life? Are you making decisions for his kingdom, seeking him first? And it looks really practical, by the way. The professing people in this church that go into the world, what does your mission field look like? I think it's dangerous to believe that the only mission field is up here. It's, it's when you're sitting with your coworker and they're talking about 
depression and anxiety, and they just want to end their life. You are the minister of the gospel in those moments. It's your demeanor when you walk into the office. Are you a guy or a girl that when you walk in, everyone's like, oh, get on your best behavior. He's here. I don't, I don't know if people would think that with Jesus. They would have wanted to be with him. So where is your character? And have you been refined? And your, is your faith tested? And are you on mission for the gospel? I have learned that when I am waging war against darkness, my faith is tested all the more. I have learned that personally, that when we do what we get to do as ambassadors of Christ, you have to understand, at least spiritually, that we are waging war against the supernatural forces of evil. And I'm gonna get to there in a moment, but the end of the story is you already have the victory. So if you already have the victory, then we ought to be thinking about the whole game plan differently. But there will be moments in your life if you are a follower of Jesus and you're doing the healthy things, the right things, if you're changing your character, if you're sitting down with your wife and saying, we need to change the way we do things, the way we talk around our children, how we handle finances, we need to change who we are. We have to let go of the old self and step into the new. Which, by the way, let's talk about that for just a brief moment. It becomes first spiritual and then it becomes physical. Why, why, does, why does Paul say that in the book of Romans? Do you ever think about that? He says, you are now new, a new creation. He says, the old is past and the new is here. But I, I don't know if anyone could like testify, but I, sometimes I don't feel that. Sometimes I don't feel the spiritual reality of the physical. Because when I talk to people, even in your own mind, in my own mind, we, we go back to the old constantly. We're going back to the old way. We're going back to the old thinking. We're going back to the things that might have happened when we, when we were a child and the trauma and the brokenness and the mess up. And we go back, but God says, I don't see you like that anymore. Spiritually, you are redeemed. You are set free. You are my son. You are my daughter. So when God looks at you, he sees the physical and the spiritual and the newness of who you are. And I would argue that it is, we've talked about it is becoming. You are, for the moment you are born, you are becoming the very person God has called you to be. And so we have to be okay with the moment that we realize I'm getting rid of the old, man. I'm, I'm done with that stuff. And to the, 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 that moment where our mind is transformed to the moment where we step into the physical reality of the spiritual implication, there is a gap, isn't there? It becomes difficult. You have to endure. You have to persist. You have to fight. You have to stand firm. But you're not fighting for something. You're, you're already standing in victory. You're fighting from a stance of victory. So, I want to just give a brief example, um, not to go in depth at all, but I've learned, like, when we first started stepping into ministry, that, like, things were starting to get, like, really weird and peculiar at times, honestly, like, just spiritually, you know, like, Kelly and I are meeting people, and the forces of, of the enemy, of other people might not even know, and people were into sometimes witchcraft, into sorcery, and demonic forces, and someone that steps out of the old and steps into the new, I didn't do it, but we sure gave the gospel of it, right? We, we created a community and said, we will be for the one, we will be for the ostracized and the brokenness, but what comes with that call is opposition, is an army of the enemy that says, no way, no way. I have her. 
I have him. The things that he's doing, he's going to keep doing. The things that she's doing, I got her. You can't do anything. And all I say is, yeah, I can't, but I know he can. <laughs> and so, so when, I get, when I get excited, not just here, but when I'm sitting with you, and I see your face, and I hear your story, I need you to know you need to step out of the old and into the new. You need to take on the spiritual ramification that you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God. And so there must be a shift. There must be a change. We must repent and then go. Go and to become. Go and become who you're called to be. So just these last couple of weeks, uh, Kelly and I have been going to the doctor over and over and over again. And of course, it's like, ah, oh, this stuff happens, of course. And I don't want to be over spiritual, but that's what I thought in the very beginning. And then it's like over and over, oh, this is like 13% of women. Oh, yeah, 5% of women go through this stuff. I'm so sorry. We're going to have to do this and have to do that. And it's just been difficult. It's been weighing. It's been hard. I'm not in fear. I'm not worried. But then you get a call, right? Does this, doesn't this ever happen to you? I don't know if it happened to you. You get a call, and the doctor's like, well, let me just explain something to you. And they're talking, and it's like, wait a second. I, 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 want, I want to say, you, you don't have the authority to say those things. You, you don't even know. I, I love science. I mean, doc, Chase is a doctor. I love that stuff, but science is not always fact. Come on. It's not. And so when I hear a word from someone who has a good intention, they have a good heart. They might not be socially skilled, and that's frustrating sometimes, but they have a good heart. But it's like, wait a second, my baby's crying. I'm in the doctor's office. Kelly is over in the other Kaiser office, and, I, and she's coming out of an operation, and they're saying, I'm so sorry, but this, 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 and you just, I'm sorry. And you know what happened when I got in the car? I, I had a conversation with Claudio, and God brought it to mind. He brought it to mind. This is why we need brothers and sisters, by the way. This is why we need to have people that are in witness to encourage each other. We don't just come as a fan club. We don't just come to get excited. We come to wage war against darkness, standing against darkness, knowing that we stand in victory. And there's a passage of scripture. I want to go there. It says this in Luke 22. Sorry, Noemi, I'm jumping ahead. It says this in Luke 22. It says, Simon, Simon, this is what Claudio reminded me of. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Satan has asked Jesus or God or the Father, whichever one, and said, I want to sift those guys, those disciples, as wheat. I want those guys. Jesus says, watch carefully, but I have prayed for you, Peter. I've prayed for you, Simon, that your what, what? That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, what do you do like Claudio did? You strengthen the brethren. When your faith is tested over and over and over again, you must persist in it. Why? It's not just about you. It's for the kingdom of heaven. And so I was driving in the car and I'm crying and I'm trying to fight back and I got off the phone with my mom. I don't know if you have any praying moms, but I got a praying mom. And I got off the phone with my mom and she's declaring victory. She's reminding me of who God is. She's telling me who God says that I am and who God says Kelly is. And I stand in victory because I'm reminded and I'm strengthened by the brethren and the sister. Right? And so, so I get off the phone and I'm driving back and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> See? Satan, maybe he went up to Jesus and said, hey, you know that guy Sammy? You know that guy Sammy and Kelly? I can't stand those guys. And so 
you know, things are going good. And he does air conditioning, and the commission comes in every month, and the finances are okay. But I, I, I think I want to sift them. I think I want to sift them. My Bible says Jesus didn't say to Simon, and I, I told him to get away. And I told him, you, you can't do any of that. I told him, you can't talk like that. I, he simply said to Simon, I'm praying for you, Simon. You know why? Because you're going to come out refined. Because there's a something, there's a call on your life. There is a mission for you. Stop acting in the old way and step into the new. There is Pentecost on the way. There is the kingdom of heaven here. So you ought to step out in victory. But he says, he says, he says, Simon, I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. So that tells me, theologically, that Jesus, it says this, Jesus is interceding on Kelly's behalf. He's interceding on Brooke's behalf. He's interceding on Kevin and Claudio and Marcellus and Ryan's and Brody's and Sarah's and Gabby's. He is interceding on Dez's. He is interceding on Thomas and Sarah. He is interceding on your behalf. And so I don't have time to play games then, right? There's, there's a battle. There's a war. And I don't stand to say, oh, are we going to win or not? It's not dualism. I just know that he wins the victory, but as I become, I'm becoming refined. And so, my question to you is look at what's taking place in your life. Please do that. Because when, when, when the Spirit of God reminded me of that scripture, <laughs> Brittany said in our woe, she just went, she was having a hard day, she went to the park, she was just being filled by God and through his scripture. And she's like, I walked away. Everything wasn't always taken care of, but I just felt my spirit was at peace. My spirit was at peace. Because what we can't do and what we shouldn't do and what we never should, should partake in is what God, what the Bible says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit. So it's, it's unseen, man. You might not always get it. We don't always have to have the answer for it, but it's unseen. And I don't know if this is encouraging anybody. Maybe this is for me. But I want to encourage you to be persistent in your faith. It's not time to back down. It's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel for your son or daughter. It's not time to back down and say, I don't need to serve the kingdom. I'm good over here. It's not time to say, I got it all taken care of. I'm financially secure. It's not time to do those things. There is a war taking place in our city and in your family, and in this county, and in this state. And God is looking for an army of people that would say, I know where my victory comes from. So I will bear witness to that victory. And so I want to finish with this. Revelations, if the worship can come on up. Revelations 12.10 says this. Then, I want, to, I want to bring this all in. Then, this is Revelation, this is John, he's writing to us. He says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for, watch this, the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night, watch this, has been hurled down. He has been thrown down. And now I would argue that John is speaking of when Christ was resurrected and he was put as the right hand of the Father. So now the battle is already won and it's unseen. We don't feel it all the time, but it is seen in the spiritual. 
And so God already won the victory. God already won the battle. God already took care of your sin. God already took care of your disease and your infirmity. And God already placed you as a son and a daughter, redeemed and healed and set free in the new. But as we get there, we must persist in our becoming. So I don't know if there's anyone in the room that bears witness to this, but stop doubting God. Stop going back into the old. Stop getting back into the boat like the disciples did after Jesus died. But he was resurrected again. And Jesus comes and he pulls us out of the boat. Why are you going back to your old life? Why did you go back to your old career? I've called you to be on mission for the gospel and the kingdom. Not just your family, though that's important, but for the world. And that's my prayer for you this morning. Because Satan might have had a meeting about you in heaven and said, I want to sift that guy. I can't stand that one. I see what they're up to. Man, they're going telling people about Jesus. They're going loving people at work. They're going and they're, they're battling the spiritual forces. And I can't stand that because people are having breakthrough and people are being set free. And so, so what do I got to do to sift them? And Jesus says, I'm praying for you that your faith would not fail. Can I pray for you that, for that, for you this morning? Would you stand with us? We can lower the lights. Just in this moment. God, I pray right now that you would remind the saints in the room that follow you, that call you Lord, that call you disciple, that, that call themselves disciple. Father, that they would know that they are not working towards victory. But God, that they, that they are working from victory and they've already achieved the victory. And so, Father, I pray that as they become, I pray that as they develop, I pray that as their, their faith is tested, that you would refine them and that their mind would not go astray and that they would cap, capture those thoughts of the enemy, of deception, of lies that, that is spoken over them and that they would bring them back to the throne room of heaven and let the enemy know this is not what God says about you. And so, Father, do whatever you have to do. Only you know, God, what's going on. Only they know, Father, what they're wrestling with. Only they know what's going on in their family. And the brokenness or the mess up or the deception or the shame. God, you set people free from all of those things because you've called us into new, Jesus. So this morning, I pray that over people that it is declared, it is sealed, and that the enemy would not lie to you as you go on your way that you are standing in his victory. Amen.